0: Well, good morning, Mercy House. Uh, My name is Jake Blackwood. I'm a member here uh, at Mercy House. And uh, in case you haven't met me uh, or my family yet, I've got a a wife and two daughters and a one-year-old son. So uh, hi, uh, Jamie and uh, Parker, Mirabelle, and Oscar. I'm in the computer right now, so I hope you, hopefully you can see me right now. Uh, and I was very happy uh, to be invited by Pastor Robert to preach this week on, on Philippians, which is a, a book that is near and dear to my heart. Um, my, has a little bit of background, My uh, my parents had us uh, memorize Philippians, actually, uh, mm-hmm. and, and um, although I have to say they were they were in, in his mercy, my dad allowed us to skip a few sections, and I'm pretty sure that the the scripture we just read is one of those sections that we skipped over. Mm-hmm. So uh, it, it's a bit of an odd assignment in that way. Um, you know, we've been working through Paul's letter to the Philippians, and we we've seen that it's a it's a very uh, uh, and we've seen that Paul has been very heartfelt towards the Philippians. He's greeted them and thanked God for them, thanked God for his relationship to them uh, and for their support for him. They're true brothers in Christ. That's a, brothers is a word we're going we're gonna to talk a lot about today. Uh, and uh, as such, Paul's exhorting them in, his, in love uh, uh, and exhorting them to love one another. Uh, he's exhorting them to exhibit more humility, to, to have unity in the church, uh, and to mature uh, towards a more fuller real realization of their faith through their actions. So on the whole, it's been a very tender, a very passionate uh, and gospel-soaked message, and so we come to verse 19, and it kind of seems like we get some travel details, right? Uh, it sounds like Paul's saying, I haven't booked my flight yet. Uh, I've got to take care of some things here first before I get on kayak. Uh, You know, Timothy's going to come, though, before me, so I want you to know that. And, of course, you know Epaphroditus. Uh, He's bringing along along this letter. We think it's likely the case that Epaphroditus was uh, bringing this letter with him. Uh, And so there's this travel itinerary, this sort of uh, schedule of events that sort of shows up in the middle of this very, again, very uh, rich letter to the Philippians. And so what's it doing there? Um, so it's a bit uh, odd uh, that uh, that it sort of shows up uh, um, at, at this place. So, uh, uh, and some some have actually suggested that, you know, perhaps it doesn't really uh, belong there. But, um, you know, one thing that we can say is that it does seem consistent with the arc that we've just laid out, uh, uh, that I've just laid out for you. So. So Paul, along the way, has been, uh, uh, been using examples. Uh, he's used himself in chapter 1. We saw him talk a great deal about himself uh, and his trials and tribulations and, and, uh, and, how, uh, and using himself as a model in that way. We see in, in chapter 2, verses 1 through 10, the the example, the ultimate example of, of Christ himself uh, talking about his work in humility. And so Paul is, as he's wrapping up this thought he's had for the past couple of chapters, he inserts, in a fitting way, a little bit of business here. Uh, And in so doing, he's holding up two more examples, two fellow co-laborers that are sort of additional examples uh, um, of how sort of attitudes and actions Philippians should have uh, uh, and take and what they should imitate. So we could be tempted to sort of view these administrative details as, as sort of superfluous or something we can skip over. But uh, there's, there's some rich language that Paul uses here when he talks about Timothy and Epaphroditus. Um, and that's, uh, the, some of those words that he uses are, are ways we should talk about each other too. Uh, and, uh, and often those langu- that language that he uses relates to the family or sort of familial language. So we'll see that as we kind of work through this so again there's two examples he uses here so i'm going to sort of break it up into, into what paul has to say about timothy and then what paul has to say about epaphroditus i'll try and summarize we don't have notes here today i apologize for that uh, i didn't that's that's on me uh, i also tend to talk real real fast so i mean if you like to listen to things on 1.5x i'm i'm already there so uh no need to worry about that uh but i'll try and go back and make sure and summarize uh, some of my points here So first we see Paul talking about Timothy. uh, And so I'm going to read verses 19 through 24 again, so you can turn there in your Bibles. Uh, Paul says, I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you soon, so that I I too may be cheered by news of you. For I have no one like him who will be genuinely concerned for your welfare, for they all seek their own interests and not those of Jesus Christ. But you know Timothy's proven worth, How as a son with a father, he has served me in the gospel. I hope therefore to send him to you as soon as I see how it will go with me. And I trust in the Lord that shortly I myself will come also. So we see here that Timothy is being put forth again as an example of someone uh, uh, who genuinely cares, as Paul has expressed about himself, who genuinely cares for the Philippians, right? So perhaps he's referencing, again, these various opponents that we saw in chapter 1 uh, uh, that, um, that seek their own glory. When he says they all seek their own glory, he's perhaps referring to those opponents that he had talked about earlier in chapter 1. Uh, but then Paul contrasts Timothy's attitude with this, saying that Timothy uh, is like Paul in his care for the Philippians. Right? And he says he has the same mind. Another way of saying that uh, translating that phrase is of equal soul right so he's you know on the same plane he's 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 cut from the same cloth whatever metaphor you want to use here uh, you know uh, this is re- really saying that Timothy uh, is of the same mind of equal soul with Paul and they're and they're and and they're similar in that way and he's appealing to the Philippians knowledge of this and as he states that you know they know that that Timothy has served. Paul, like a fa- like a son, serves a father. So, why did he use this language of, of father and son here? Well, I think we, we want to take a look a little bit at the Roman context here, where uh, sons were often presumed to be trained by their fathers in the trade that they um, that they were working in, right? With the the expectation that eventually they would take part in that trade uh, and take over essentially. So, this isn't so much an analogy of. Authority and preeminence. We see Paul say that they are working together, right? They're they're uh, so so. This is very much a partnership, but it suggests that uh, Paul has has trained up Timothy to a point now where he's really able, being of of equal soul of 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 the same mind with Paul. He's ready to fulfill the same kinds of duties that Paul uh, has has um, has fulfilled in his uh, relationship with the Philippians. Okay, so he's able to both inform Paul about what's going on with the Philippian church, we see here, and he's also able to provide guidance to the Philippian church in the same way that Paul would be able to. And so this is very much the work uh, of the gospel, of, of of the Christian life that we've seen Paul talking about. Uh, and we see an example of training and discipleship, essentially here, where uh, where Paul has brought Timothy up in this. And you know, so part of How we try and model that, so this is applicable to us as well, is that we try and have uh, instances or or, or venues where we can have this kind of training and discipleship. So whether that's our discipleship groups or our small groups, you know, these are opportunities for us to bring people along into the faith, uh, sort of as an, you know, almost like an apprenticeship is essentially what this is kind of invoking here. Um, And so uh, that's that's how we see the the relationship between Paul uh, uh, and Timothy being modeled to to help the Philippians think about how they should be living and acting. As we move on to verse 25 then we start to we encounter Epaphroditus who's actually being sent before uh, Timothy so a little bit out of order in terms of the chronology here. Timothy is going to be sent later so Paul last Timothy later, uh, in between, and then Epaphroditus now possibly bearing this letter. Uh, And so we read about Epaphroditus, and starting in verse 25, I'm going to read here again through 30. Paul says, I have thought it necessary to send to you Epaphroditus, my brother and fellow worker and fellow soldier, and your messenger and minister to my need. For he has been longing for you all and has been distressed because you heard that he was ill. Indeed, he was ill, near to death. appears to be a delegate from the Philippians to Paul. Again, maybe this is in reference to that gift that was mentioned uh, in chapter one and is going to be mentioned again later on in our study of Philippians. Uh, and he appears to have been serving uh, Paul once he's come into contact him while Paul is again in prison. Uh, and you know it, it says here that he nearly died. Uh, in his effort to complete what was lacking in the Philippians, not su- suggesting that the, the Philippians were, uh, uh, were, were not trying to help Paul, but he was actually the means by which they were able to, uh, to serve Paul. And he nearly died in that process. He, really, he, he, uh, he was sick uh, to the point of death. Um, and in so doing, uh, Paul wants to really hold Epaphroditus up uh, and, as someone who's worthy of honor. And so we're going to see a couple of terms that Paul uses for Epaphroditus here. So I'm going to focus on three terms here. Uh, So he calls him, uh, here they are, and I'll go through them brother, fellow worker, and fellow soldier. Okay. So. Brother, we'll start there. Uh, so Paul's already called the Philippians brothers in chapter 1, verse 12. Again, this is a very affectionate letter. This isn't just some, you know, throwaway phrase that we might use sometimes when we call people brothers in Christ, that this is, uh, uh, this just means we're on the same team or that, we you know, we see each other on Sundays. No, it, there's a real uh, uh, kinship that's felt between Paul and the Philippians. We've seen that throughout uh, the, the reading of this letter. Um, and Paul says the same thing about Epaphroditus here, saying that not only is Paul sort of uh, connected to the Philippians in this way, but he's connected personally to Epaphroditus. And certainly we can see that Epaphroditus feels a strong kinship towards the Philippians, uh, you know, it, they, it, he seems to be so worried about them worrying about him. I think, you know, we probably all have people like this in, my, in their lives. Hi, Mom, you're this person for me, where we don't want them to feel, you know, worried for us. We'd rather just not tell If we were having minor surgery, for example, we'd just wait maybe a couple months afterwards till everything was resolved, and we'd just say, oh, you know, maybe we'd let it sort of, you know, percolate to the surface eventually, that, oh yeah, by the way, it had some minor surgery, it's all good now. Uh, or maybe you know somebody who's like that who you know uh, you major life events pass by and you don't even hear about it until uh, after the fact and uh, you know in some ways you know not the healthiest thing but uh, in some, we just don't want people to worry for us we're so, we, we care for them so much that we don't want them uh, to be worried and that's what we see with Epaphroditus here he's he's, he's distraught over that uh, and all of this really you know Paul the Philippians Paul with Epaphroditus, Epaphroditus with the Philippians. This this triangle here of of kinship really illustrates the familial connection that we should have uh, with each other and the the feelings of longing uh, for each other's presence even. Uh, you know, which is something that I've definitely felt uh, in the past months. Uh, not being able to be with other people. It's great to just be here right now. You know, I look like I came out of out of a cave. I'm sure, but you know, it's nice to be have family connection uh with people right now uh, and and personal uh and 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 be in each other's presence and a desire for each other's well-being so uh, that's all something that we would expect out of siblings and 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 that's very much this word that paul is using here he then goes from brother to fellow worker and again sometimes maybe we feel like when when we say brother uh, and as in Christianese as it were you know we we just mean sort of like coworker right somebody that we're kind of yeah we've got some you know we got some connection to and that we have some common interests but uh but no again there is this familial con- connection uh this this love this kinship so coworker is not meant to flatten it's meant to elevate what it means to be a brother it elevates that term brother so you know we're not just bound by feeling uh, and the reality of our kinship in Christ. That is true. We do have that familial connection, but we also labor together. We have a common goal that we're working towards, right? And we're actually working towards serving Christ and advancing the gospel, right? So this is happening right now. I've, there's there's people you can't see right now that are working to to bring this to you right now, right? Uh, so, but I I am doing this right now because of the labors of those working behind a desk right now uh, so Tommy and Megan are sitting here right now and we're going in, in in typical times right we have scores of people down here you know maybe not scores but lots of people down here working uh, uh, working to, to to minister to the children here mm-hmm. you know, we've recently had some work days outside where I was you know I can show you we've been working pretty hard I got the blisters to prove it we're digging dirt uh, and and doing fairly strenuous manual labor. Uh, and that was good work That we, as we, we labored to, to beautify the building. And I gotta say, like, you know, it, again, this is a way that you can build kinship. So it's not just sort of layered on top of kinship that's already there. It's a way to build that kinship by serving with other people, right? So uh, if you wanna feel a better connection of kinship to people in the church, might I suggest serving in some way, joining a service team. So whether or not that's, uh, uh, you know, that's that suits your skills, or just uh, you have some free time and you want to be able to come and dig some dirt, uh, you know, on a Saturday. I mean, I think that that's a great way. I know I felt a deepening of relationships even in the short amount of time we were doing that. So again, uh, uh, common labor is a characteristic of uh, of Christian life and Christian brotherhood and sisterhood. So the next. Uh, a term we see after brother and fellow worker is fellow soldier. And again, I think that this is deepening this idea of brother and co-worker. So Philippi was a very Roman coli- colony. It has very, very special status in the in the Roman empire. And we know that Rome was what it was because of its military prowess. You know, in about 50 years after the point where Paul is writing this letter, it's gonna stretch from Northern England to the Persian Gulf, just a vast amount of territory from you know originally like a fairly small city-state. Well, why was that? It's because of its 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 military might. And at this point in in the Roman Roman Empire, uh, it really it's no longer sort of like the highborn who are soldiers. It's it's everybody. The lowly can obtain honor by becoming a part uh, of the military, at the price of some really grueling training which is another way again like i think those that have been involved in uh in the military can say that you know these these experiences of going through boot camp probably uh, uh to foster that idea of kinship and brotherhood um so there's a sense in which you know we're enlisting together um and and we want to uh, and we want to take this metaphor seriously but you know perhaps we might be worried about overplaying it too much too so i want to provide where ways in which i think that uh, uh, talking about the Christian faith is similar to talking about life as a soldier and ways in which it may not be. Um, so the first way, I'm going to give you four ways I think it's similar. The first is a common or shared purpose uh, or set of beliefs. So again, uh, you know, we can think about the military, the Roman Empire. There's a, a, a desire for the honor of the Roman Empire and the Roman people that really unified them and personal honor as well. Uh, in that case, and for the for those who serve in the United States military, it's a uh, serving on the defense of the uh, on behalf of the nation to defend the nation and our values. Uh, and not only is there this set of this shared purpose and set of beliefs, but there's a sustained commitment to it. Right? We can't just decide in the middle of the battle to to up and leave right to desert. Um, so uh, there. So those are the two first things is, is a shared set of purposes and beliefs sustained commitment, and in that, we have a dependence on each other. This is very, very much true today in the military, and it's true, uh, it was true in Roman times, where the phalanx was a, was a very uh, a popular set of uh, military maneuver, I guess, strategy. I'm not sure the right word for it, but uh, you had to lock shields, and that you depended on the person next to you to be doing what they needed to be doing in order to protect you. So there's a dependence on each other. And finally, it has to be said that there's an opposition right uh so again this is deepening this fellow worker aspect because we're not just laboring uh we're we're fighting in a sense we're we're fighting against sin we're fighting against satan right and there's times when we're fight we are opposed by people uh who are in opposition to the gospel or who 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 hate the gospel um and you know and sometimes that turns that has turned violent right throughout uh throughout history and in that sense, like we can see that opposition is part of, of this metaphor and it's an appropriate for this metaphor, but there's ways in which it's not like war, right? So let's talk about those opponents. And so our goal is not to destroy everyone who opposes us or who isn't us or isn't in our camp, but it's to make disciples and to bring the good news to them, mm. right? To, to tell them about the shepherd who has come to seek and save the lost, to bless those who curse us, right? So our focus isn't on strategy and tactics on how to beat them, although we need to be wise on how we deploy our resources, but is to think about faithfully living according to the gospel and making that gospel known to them so that they might come to know Christ. So we want to have this improper balance here, but this idea of sustained commitment to accomplish the advancement of the gospel In the face of sometimes vehement opposition, is uh, justifies is is what Paul's sort of referring to, uh, I think here. So, um, in all of this, Paul wants Epaphroditus to be honored uh, by the Philippians. Uh, Why? Because he's risked everything. He's staked it all on the gospel. So Paul's like makes up a new word here. It's the first time apparently this word ever appears anywhere. uh, Is this word staked? And it's like a it's like a gambling. Imagery, right? Uh, He's putting it all on red, right? Uh, What's called red the gospel here, right? Uh, And it's not just for the gospel; it's the the gospel is the main thing, but out of that comes the Philippians' uh, uh, well-being, and he does it for the Philippians and Paul's sake as well, right? So, such riskiness and sacrifice is something that we uh, see in in that we would like to see in people that we call brothers co-laborers and soldiers, our fellow Christians, we would like them to, uh, we, we should strive to, um, to, in our own walks, to, 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 be, able, to be willing to risk it uh, for the gospel, uh, and that we should honor such people who do that. So what should the church family look like in light of these two examples of Timothy and Epaphroditus? So I've got a few points here that I want to to cover that I think summarizes what we've talked about here. So the first thing that we see is that uh, we shouldn't be self-interested. it's clearly what we see with Timothy is he's not interested in himself, but he cares for others. And that's flowing out of his interest uh, in the gospel and in Christ and his love and love for Christ. The care and love for one another flows out of that. The next we see is discipling and training. Again, sort of being in relationships where we are discipling and being discipled by others. So third, we have uh, we should expect some kinship and affection for one another. That should characterize our relationships with each other. We should love each other, right? And, uh, and that should uh, not just be words we throw around, but a reality. Fourth, uh, we want a common labor together. So we want to work together uh, uh, towards, for the mission of the church, which again is going to be the glory of God uh, and the advancement of the gospel. In that common labor, uh, we need to be willing to join together and persevere when we're opposed, when things get tough, right? And as such, we need to be good soldiers uh, in, our, in our walks with Christ in our, and in our relationship as a church. And finally, uh, we see that both Timothy and Epaphroditus, along with Paul, are committed to the mission and the message uh, that they have. So Paul calls uh, Epaphroditus a minister and a messenger. And let's, you know, thinking about the, the, the duties of a minister and a message, it's to, and it, as we know it is to, to share and, and, and promote the gospel. And so what is the gospel, right? I've said, you know, the advancement of the gospel a number of times in this sermon. Uh, and real briefly, I want to say that for those of you who don't follow Christ or you're unsure about what the gospel is, uh, it's the truth that's revealed to us in Scripture that our Heavenly Father, who, is, who has created us in his image to live and to work and to love him as a father, in community with each other, as a family, um, that, uh, uh, that we've, we were created for that, but we've fallen short, and that we've all sinned and that we've been isolated and cut off from our father. And it's not just those relationships, but it's our earthly relationships that have been broken, and some of us know this all too well. Our relationships with our brothers and our sisters, our fathers and our mothers, and even our children, they're broken. Uh, And we can feel that today. There's so many, so much brokenness, um, even in the best of relationships. But thanks be to God, he sent his son, uh, Jesus, who was fully God, but became flesh, had a human mother and a in a father, and called his disciples his brothers. He ate with them. He labored with them. Uh, he wept for them, and he ultimately died for them, you know, feeling the anguish of physical pain, the separation from that earthly family, and in his humanity, saying, "Why have, have you God forsaken me?" You know. In so doing, he's provided us a way to be reconciled to him. to to our Father in heaven, you know, for us to be able to begin to pick up those broken pieces of our fallen human relationships and to seek a new family in the church right here at Mercy House, right, to gain brothers and sisters uh, and siblings in Christ, uh, to love them and to be loved by them, and together to look forward to the day uh, when when Christ will return uh, to restore all things. So if you're here today and you're not a Christian, we invite you to come join that family, here today virtually, I should say. Uh, it, we invite you to come find your brothers and sisters in the local church to be clear, we are not uh, uh, we are not fixed yet, right? We still got a lot of work to do, um, but we trust that the Holy Spirit will do that work in us. And that's not by our own merits. And we invite you to come join us. If you are a Christian, uh, you know, the security of the gospel gives us the foundation we need to really risk it all for the mission of the gospel. So, uh, and we can, we can have confidence uh, and be willing to stake it all as Epaphroditus did. And so how do we do that today? Well, you can do that by joining the church, right? By giving up your time, by serving in the ministry, by speaking to your friends about Jesus, you know, and by taking time out of your day to pray, to read the scripture, um, and to gather together and read the word. So speaking of prayer, uh, Tommy is, uh, I think, going to come up now and uh, and lead us uh, in a time of prayer. Where we're, we'll meditate on some of these themes uh, and talk about this a little bit.